Welcome to the Transformed Teacher Podcast. I'm Meredith and I'm in your corner. This podcast is designed to help you transform from overwhelmed to overjoyed. If nobody else tells you today, you rock. All right, welcome to this episode of the Transformed Teacher. We have a really special guest with us today, Katie Raher of Constant Love and Learning. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited me too. to be joining you. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. This has been a long time in the works and we're finally making it happen. And um, Katie is the founder of Constant Love and Learning, and she is also an award-winning teacher turned school psychologist who helps soul-led educators, that's me, <laughs> and, and change makers cultivate well-being and social-emotional learning within themselves the children they serve, and their larger systems so they can sustainably create impact without sacrificing their health, happiness, and wholeness. We're going to learn a little bit more about Katie and her journey in this episode, but I just want to say again, Katie, Dr. Raher, (laughs) thanks again for being here, and I would just love to know, first of all, how you just got started in education. Why did you become an educator? Why did you become a school psychologist? How did you get into constant love and learning? I'd just love to know anything that you care to share with us about your journey and how you got started. Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me. So excited. I love following you and your work and you're always inspiring me. So really grateful for this opportunity. And uh, so how I became an educator, I was always really curious about the power of education because my mom grew up in really extreme poverty in East Oakland and lots of trauma history, things like of that nature. And she was the person of her siblings who had somebody really connect with her in an educational setting who really then transformed her path and her life and and helped her sort of tap into her resilience. And because of her, huge change in the trajectory and breaking the cycle of poverty and trauma, my whole life has been exponentially different. And so I've always just been curious, you know, my whole life really about that, the power of that. And then I, you know, I I was curious about education, always knew I loved working with kids. That was kind of like one of my gifts growing up. And then really thought I was going to do something different. And in college, I had one last requirement to fulfill my, my undergraduate, you know, and I was just like, you know, I was a college student. So I was like, let me just fill this with whatever's available right now. And then I'll have fun for my last whatever little bit. And the class that fulfilled that last little bit was a sociology and education class. And it was all about inequities in education. And it fired me up and just like spoke to my soul And I had never had so much fun or more passion come out in any class. And I was, that was it. So became a teacher and spent a couple of years in the classroom and, you know, serving in, in a community that was also, you know, lots of poverty um, and really wanted to make this huge impact. And I went into teaching thinking, I was going to just solve all the problems and whatnot. (laughs) And I am sure I made a huge impact. And also though, on my own journey, 
I was working like 80 hour weeks and killing myself. I don't even know how I would have done it if I had also been a parent at that point. You know, at that point I was, I was, that was my, that was my full focus and my health and mental health started to tank. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to go back to grad school, learn more. I think that's what it is. I just need to learn more about how to support kids. (laughs) Yeah. And I had always had a really special place in my heart for kids who had more needs than other kids, not, not just in terms of disabilities, but in general, kids with significant trauma histories. And, you know, if there was like kid with more needs, they were always like, oh, put them in Miss, well, it wasn't Miss Raher back then, but, you know, put them in her class. Mm -hmm. And those were, those were the kids I like just loved supporting. So I went back and went to grad school, become a school psychologist. And still my, even though my health really did recover because I spent a good while you know just resting pre-grad school I went through grad school learned a ton definitely did enhance my capacity to show up and support kids and teachers uh, because one of my also my real big passions in grad school was supporting teachers like I wanted to take what I learned and help teachers feel empowered with that information not from a me expert come in and I know what I'm doing but from a let's co-create an understanding of what's going on with these kids. Let me figure out what resources you need. How can I support you? So it was really me, you know, letting and and empowering educators to be able to tap fully into their gifts and show up in the magical ways that teachers do. So I I just wanted to be that resource. And and really, I had had a couple of people who had been really, you know, supportive of me and my work as a teacher, and I wanted to be that for other people. So uh, so I've been a pretty non-traditional school psych most of my career and done mostly like consultation work and, and really supporting in that way and, and holding space for teachers in terms of how to, you know, best support their students. And then though, because I was still sort of on the hamster wheel myself, now I also added wife, mom, all these other hats to the puzzle and was still probably working 80 hour weeks, but now I was doing it in other creative ways, like put the kids to sleep and then stay up all hours and get my stuff done and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Of course, my health and mental health crashed again, but this time at a much more epic proportion mm-hmm. and realized I couldn't continue going on the way I was. And at this point, you know, it was, I, I you know, significant autoimmune condition stuff and really significant anxiety. I got to the place where my anxiety had spiraled so bad that I I couldn't sleep at night. I was sleeping like two hours a night, uh, started to have some like suicidal ideation stuff go on, total apathy in home life, in work life, but also trying to hold it all together. And, and when I kind of got to this space, I was like, I, you know, I can't do it anymore. So I slowly and steadily started to say like, I can't do it. I need help and did reach out and get support from professionals and whatnot and then spent a good year or two really like making my way back to well-being putting my autoimmune conditions into remission and and as i was really unpacking so many of the layers of my own healing both in terms of like mind body spirit i started to notice in terms of the support i was providing to teachers and other educators you know administrators, whoever I was consulting with, I started to realize that like the, the well-being piece was a missing piece of what I was showing up to support them with. So yes, we were co-creating an understanding of what was going on with kids or their system within the classroom. And we would co-create ideas of, you know, 
solutions and, and possibilities in terms of, of reframing things and, and meeting his needs in more appropriate ways. And even though teachers were super excited, like it was never me saying you have to do it in this way, they were coming up with what was going to work for them. Still, then they would be like, I just couldn't do it. Like I'm exhausted, whatever it was. And so I started to be like, oh, this is this missing piece. I wasn't trained on this in grad school. This is a, this is a huge gap. And I also started to notice how common health and mental health challenges were in educators. I mean, I had some schools that I was supporting where like 100% of the staff had an autoimmune condition or some mental health challenge or cancer or whatever it was. And I was like, this is not okay. And so I really wanted to then shift into supporting educators with that piece as well as all part of the package. Because I think educators also do deserve support in terms of thinking about supporting their students. And that even is part of their well-being because when educators feel like they're making the difference they want, that also fills up their souls, you know, but there's also these other pieces. Um, and so, so then I just started to slowly incorporate some of that work into my, my sessions with educators. So we were doing consultation. We were going to start with some mindfulness. We were going to think about how we could nourish our bodies. We were going to do these other things. And just really, sometimes it was about me asking like, how are you? And people were like, oh, fine. And I'm like, no, no, no. How are you really? And then you would get all these other things coming out. So it just felt like that was really a huge piece. And so really I started to build up other possibilities for folks and really supporting educators in learning so many of the tools that I learned on my own journey, both in terms of just really transformational healing experiences, but then also just really bite-sized things that, you know, yeah, this is how I figured out how to fit it into my schedule as a mom and a wife and an educator and all the things. So, so I started constant love and learning to really support with that um, and really support well-being on a, on a really broad lens. So it's, it's not just the, you know, grab a bubble bath when you can. It's, it's really the deep work, the social, emotional, spiritual, physiological pieces of the puzzle um, and, and trying to create community that supports educators and do that as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, such an incredible story. And um, oh, I'm feeling kind of emotional, Katie. I mean, just ignore me. <laughs> um, no, let's because, sit with it. Yeah. <laughs> because I think um, when you know like when you find a kindred spirit and you're just like I know that they're my kindred spirit like um I felt that way with Dana Thomas of the happy teacher revolution yeah. yeah and I feel that way with you because I have to tell our listeners that um Katie and I were connected on Instagram and I'll, I'll tell that story in a minute about how what happened with our voice messages and everything but when you, the first thing that I have to say, Katie, is that you remind me so much of one of the parents of um, one of my former, two of my former students. And she's, her name is Jen Johnson. Jen Johnson, she's just amazing. And she lives in North Carolina and she's brilliant and wonderful and an amazing mom. And she and I just kind of connected and we've stayed in touch ever since. And you remind me so much of her and, and she's just full of life and she's just wonderful. And then when you shared that your mom was raised in poverty and went through trauma, I also relate to that. And then when you had the courage to share about all the different levels of anxiety and how that was playing out, I related to a lot of what you shared. And um, 
I just think that it's really cool when we're like trying to do this work and it's almost like we have this common enemy <laughs> and we're, it's not like a, a violent thing, but it's, it's like, we're, we're all in this together. It's such a cheesy cliche, but um, it's almost like, it's not just the, the self-care, it's the soul. You keep using the word soul. And I just, I love that so much because I, I'm all about that as well. Like soul care, not just self-care. So I feel like you and I just have this bond, even though we haven't met in person yet. And I can't wait until we do meet in person. Um, and another reason why I feel connected with you is because you're in one of my favorite places, California. So, <laughs> um, so I just, I just feel like there was so much in what you just shared that um, that's just so, so awesome. And, and it, it resonates with me and I'm sure it resonates with a lot of other people. So I just want to say that. So can I, can I pause us too, because yes, yes. and share something. So before I ever hop on calls or I'm about to do something like in connecting in power voice, especially when I'm feeling like a little like, okay, which, which direction am I going to go with whatever I try? I'm increasingly trying to really always rely on my spirituality and come into trust mm -hmm. and so I'll often pull I have lots of like uh, card decks and things like that that I'll pull from um, which I used to think when when I first started on my own healing journey when I started to go to women's circles and things like that as part of you know um, when I first pulled them I was like oh my gosh all that woo -woo, whatever but it was just fascinating to me that they worked consistently like they literally it blew my mind how much it hit exactly where I needed to hit yeah. and you know and and I you know whatever people believe out there, sometimes I call it Gus, which is inspired by Danny Kenny, uh, who's supported me with my business. Mm -hmm. she, she calls it Gus. So God, universe, source, spirit, whatever your form of spirituality is. Cool. But anyhow, so I try to trust. And so sometimes I'll pull cards. So I pull the card before here just to think like about what is it I need to know. And the card, literally, I'm going to show it to you um, okay. too. I don't know if you can see it, but it oh says soul family. The word literally is soul family. Call in your people. You don't have to do it alone, wow. which is really like exactly what you're saying right now. Um, and I just find that fascinating that that's, of course, the card that there's a million cards and there's so many different ones, but it just feels that's like that's so cool. a relevant piece for today. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And in your bio, you mentioned, and this is no surprise to me, but you mentioned that you're a Brene Brown fan. <laughs> so um, totally. that kind of um, <laughs> that kind of leads me to my next question because we've touched on this before in our voice messages back and forth on Instagram. But what is the role of vulnerability in making sure that that our well-being is tended to? Because um, when you mentioned how you would ask your educator colleagues, how are you? Like, how are you? Like, how are you? <laughs> um, it can be so hard to share the truth of when we feel like we're failing or when things hurt or um, working 80 hour weeks, like you were talking about and trying to balance uh, marriage and motherhood and teaching and serving not only your students, but your fellow educators and sister educators. So um, what is what is the role of vulnerability? What, how, how does that make a difference? And, and why is it so important to, to have that courage to be vulnerable and share what we're really going through as, as teachers? Yeah, I think before I dive into the, like, the just magic and power of vulnerability, I will say, you know, and, you know, Renee Brown talks about this, that we're not vulnerable with anyone, I, you know, you, you kind of have to earn the right to have that. And so 
when I was asking and connecting with my teachers, there was also a, a level of trust and relationship that had already been nurtured. So, so that's a piece of the puzzle. So anyone out there working to create this in schools, you know, or, or any, any, you know, also within the home and other communities that educators find themselves within. We also, you know, want to surround ourselves with the people who we can trust. And we also, you know, those who are trying to nurture well-being in our schools, we want to make sure that we're, that's the first piece of the puzzle. I mean, any ther good therapeutic relationship, it happens because it's rooted in a, a strong relationship. So I definitely was, in terms of my support of others, they trusted me deeply. So they knew that I wasn't going to use that information in an you know, so that's, that's a piece of it, you know, but then in terms of the vulnerability and in terms of also even my own, you know, vulnerability is, it allows us to, to swap out like the shame that lives so heavily in schools and in teachers where we feel like we're not enough. We feel like guilt and, and, but it's not even just guilt, it's shame about like that there's something about us that's wrong if we haven't done enough. And, and, you know, there's a lot of demoralization that can happen in education. So it just kind of feeds that shame cycle and with vulnerability and showing up with, and also with our authenticity and saying, Hey, I struggle with this too. I'm having a hard time. That's like the medicine I feel that's like, for me, even though I had done so much healing, like on my own body, and I had really started to practice mindfulness and things like this to rewire my brain and all those, those good things. What really deeply healed me was when I was starting to attend these women's circles and people would share and it just like lifted this fog. And it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only one who struggles with this. So there's just this powerful connection and collective healing that can happen when, when we, when, when we take away that shame piece, when we just like shed light on everything, like, yes. Um, and so, so often schools are places where people are, you know, kind of made to think we have to have it all together and button it up and all these things. And which is why people close their doors and don't ask for help, mm -hmm. which is why people spend countless hours trying to make everything look just right. Or, I mean, even like in my office right now, definitely like this little space looks right, but beyond these walls, the dishes are undone. <laughs> There's like, <laughs> and I'm happy to share that because it makes people feel like, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just so much connection and common humanity that comes from that vulnerability. Um, and I think it's also just, it allows when we, when we get that courage to share our truths, there's mm -hmm. also just like a, a, an exhale that happens because we're holding it in so tightly. And then mm -hmm. those emotions and that stress like lives within us. And then, you know, the body keeps the score. So where does it go if it doesn't get processed and outward and healed in community? Well, what is it, what happens? It becomes physical health problems, mental health challenges, all in that physiology. So, so there's just so much power in it. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, uh, we have to do it in, in a mindful way. We're not going to just be like, oh, da, 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 with like with our students and share all the, all the, the dirty thing, you know, deep dark secrets. We're going to be conscious about how we do it. Um, and it's still, I mean, I really feel like it's part of the medicine mm -hmm. that, that we all need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that um, 
what what you had said before around um, feeling like you've got to have it all together and the shame. It's like that cycle of, of just toxicity. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I totally agree that when you know that you're not alone, that there's so much healing and power in that. So I love that you shared that. I totally agree with that. Um, just to know that, hey, somebody else is struggling with this. It's not just me. <laughs> um, so I remember when, um, when we first kind of started exchanging voice messages a few weeks ago <laughs> um, around uh, what had happened was I was giving a workshop and 25 people had signed up and uh, only like five people actually <laughs> joined. And I was crying. Like I was, I was like, just upset about that. And the reason I was crying was I wasn't upset that much about that, but I was, I had been kind of in the dumps. And then my dad had sent me this, um, just out of the blue, out of the blue, my dad had sent me this text and it was a, a link to the YouTube video, father and daughter by Paul Simon. And, um, I love, I love that song. And I just was like, he's never sent that to me before. And it was just completely out of the blue. And it was like, right when I needed it, right, right at that time. And then I just kind of shared that. And then you stepped up and, and said, Hey, I see you, you know, was, you just, you just sort of made me feel less dumb for being vulnerable. So, so I feel like that's one of your magical superpowers is just kind of like holding up a mirror to somebody and saying, you're not an idiot. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Um, so tell me a little bit about how else you help educators around well-being what are some of the things that you offer like programs or coaching tell us yeah. give us a behind the scenes look at, at what you do with uh, constant love and learning because I already know firsthand that you're that you're amazing so uh, uh, well I just want to say thank you to you because really I think I was probably feeling I remember kind of feeling some of the same feelings that you shared mm -hmm. and as you know, educator business owners, there's also like the messiness of those things. And there's a lot of educators who do side businesses or full businesses or whatever. Um, and so I was just so grateful that you showed up in your vulnerability. Cause like, I, again, felt that like exhale, like, Oh, she gets me. So I felt seen too, because you had shown up and shared your truth. So I was super grateful. So that's why I was like, I, I gotta write this. <laughs> I, I, I've been following you for a while. I was like, I got to write her a little note uh, to say thank you. So that was where it came from. Uh, so in terms of the work that I do, um, I, in terms of supporting individuals, I do have my well-being membership called the Wholehearted Collective that ED is capitalized. Uh, so it's for educators, but also change makers who, who support children in their work. So I have a couple of folks who, you know, are are therapists, maybe they were counselors in schools, but then they're in private practice, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But we all get it. Like we're all supporting kids and families, which is a unique field to be in. So we have a, a different set of things than if, you know, I don't know, we were working in an office, mm -hmm. not interacting with kids and families. So anyhow, yeah. so that uh, is really about there are ongoing resources that, that come up in terms of uh, offerings of meditations and quick and easy practices so people can really try out different practices to cultivate and see what what fills them up and I, they're often very educator change maker focused so yes there's a bunch of great resources out there in terms of that 
kind of work, my, you know, meditations and things like that, but this is really targeted, you know, I'll throw out things about the kids that you may have interacted with the day, those kinds of things. And, and then there are also just little trainings and supports, which I usually am pulling from what my community's asking for. So they'll say like, we're all super, like, we're struggling to fall asleep. We're having insomnia. And so I'm like, okay, let me, I, I can do a little training on that. No problem. Cause I've, I've definitely dealt with that and have already dug into the research extensively myself for so many of these things. And I also just get really like fired up to dig into research in general. I geek out on stuff like that. So if there's something I don't know about, I'm like, Ooh, this sounds fun. Like I'll go learn about it and bring it to the community. So, so they cool. get supported in the ways and learning the things that they want. And so there's, there's those kinds of resources. And then also there's live support. So there once a month, we have group coaching, which still, I really do integrate, you know, some minor, you know, so a little bit of movement and then some simple meditation practice or just something. Cause I'm always trying to help people practice integrating the tools that they have in our, on a regular basis. So we practice together, you know, or people do on the replay if they want to watch the replay. So they practice together really coming back into our bodies, coming back into the wisdom that's within us and, and just also tapping into really what's available to us all day long, you know? And so, you know, even if it's, it feels chaotic, it's like, even if just coming back, you know, through the breath, through movement, through whatever, lots of possibilities. So we're doing that, but then I also really kind of guide them in some self-coaching, which mm -hmm. is very similar to how my consultation model is as a school psychologist with teachers. So I'm often asking a lot of questions to draw out the brilliance from within the people I'm supporting. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking them a lot of things, you know, and, and it looks a little different every month, but, you know, reflecting on, you know, for an example of, you know, what are you thinking about? What are you feeling? What are you deeply knowing in your soul? So getting them to guide where the needs are and where they need support and assistance. Mm -hmm. And then also sometimes there's just plain questions and I'll, I'll offer some possibilities and kind of, you know, really explore with them what might be a good fit in terms of that, how to, how to troubleshoot, how to fit it in, how to, you know, within the constraints of oftentimes very full schedules as educators with lots of other hats as well. So that's that part of it. And then we have, we call it the wholehearted circle. It's really a community circle for healing. That is where we kind of dig into sort of the deep concepts, which is run a lot like I, my experience of women's circles where there'll be, you know, we try to really create a sacred container with some rituals at the start and at the end. Uh, and then we really dig into some type of topic. So we're really unpacking patterns within us Mm -hmm. um, and cult, you know, so we're trying to disrupt some of the patterns that have been maybe problematic that have been passed down in lots of different ways. And then also really trying to, we, we really shift through embodiment practices and mindfulness and visualizations and, and just journaling and connecting with one another. Then we try to really shift and cultivate new, more helpful healing patterns to, to bring them into the world. So they have that just awareness. So I am trying to in lots of ways, hold up a mirror mm -hmm. to, to what's real, uh, and, and hold space for all of it. Mm -hmm. And, and, but then also, you know, while we hold space for it, mm -hmm. sometimes we sit a little longer in, in the dark in mm -hmm. that, in those mucky places. And then, you know, it varies, but you know, we're also always tried the, by the end, there's so much transformation. People show up sometimes in, you know, really 
whole positive spaces, but sometimes it's like overwhelmed and stressed and scattered. And then, you know, and, and some people, you know, feel hopeful at the beginning or whatever, but by the end, there's always people, the words that they leave with are, are much more aligned with the life that they want to live. You know, they're feeling hopeful and whole and connected and gratitude and all those things that, you know, we want to, people to experience and want to have in lives. And so really that one is really an opportunity to have like a full nervous system reset once a month so that people can experience like, what's that like to be in that space where I feel aware and attuned and aligned. And so when we're out in the middle of our days and there's chaos, they are able then to hold up a mirror to themselves or to their students or to their colleagues and be like, hold on. Like I'm noticing that we're all like pushing through and hustling and doing all these things and like, hold up, Mm -hmm. let's pause. Like that doesn't feel like a good fit so that they can then bring it into their day to day and cultivate, you know, that well-being on a regular basis. So that's, that's the, uh, that's the big membership. And then it includes my course, which is just, it's a 10 week course that also has a, a collection of practices, meditations, and quick and easy practices to help educators get their fill. Um, and, and really like, it's like, if I were to take it, I basically took all the things that I thought were really powerful in terms of my own journey and the research, and I put it in a package. And so there's the course too, that's more of an on-demand if people want to do that on their own. Um, and then of course, there's the possibility for the live support. And I'll just put it out there because something I'm also working on creating right now is some type of program where I get a lot of those sort of well-being leads on campus. I, I'll get also, you know, in addition to teachers, I'll have school counselors, school psychologists, other well-being leads who want to then, they want to be doing more of this work, like how I started to integrate more of this work in my work as a school psychologist. Mm-hmm. So they want to be doing this more with their, with their staff as well. So also working on developing some stuff like that to support them in that, but also making sure they're held in community too. Because mm-hmm. what can happen is those of us who like to help others, mm-hmm. we dive in to help others now. And then it's like, hold up, what about us? What about you and me? Yeah. Like we also need to be held so that we can show up in our fullest mm-hmm. to help others take care of their well-being. And so, and I know I, I can fall back on my old patterns a lot too, like full vulnerability here. Like I struggle all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's a practice. Like we have to just come back again and again to what's real. And lastly, I'll do, I'll support um, in schools at like systems levels as well. So sometimes uh, schools will come in and have me do support. Like you come in and do workshops and things like of that nature. So sometimes it's like that, or I'm leading like a, just a well-being experience, um, some type of healing group for their, their community mm-hmm. or also some consultation with actual, um, and with, with the administrators in terms of trying to, sh- to shift their system so they actually center the educator's well-being as this hugely profound way to center kids' well-being. Like when we take care of the educators, we are taking care of the kids. Yeah. So, so that's, so yeah, so it's a bit of a mix. And I work in schools two days a week. So, cool. <laughs> so uh, it's always nice for me to still feel like, what is it? What, what's, what's the pulse? Yes. I love that as well. Um, so yeah, so I do a little bit of a variety of things and, and I'm grateful that there's a lot of us out there doing some of this work now, because I started this work sort of pre pandemic Mm -hmm. and there really wasn't a lot. Mm -hmm. There there was a few people doing this work, doing wonderful, amazing work, but 
the needs are huge. So mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that there's people like you doing, cause there's a lot of work to go around in terms of support needed in this area. Yeah. And I really appreciate how you stay focused on the solution instead of just, you know, cause there's a lot of pain. And I think if we focus on it, it can grow, but I like how you're really offering ways to get through it in so many different ways. That's really cool. And yeah, I mean, it, it, we have to hold space for the pain. There's a lot of it for yeah. all of us. And yeah. it comes up again, even when you think you've moved through whatever, you know, that's ultimately when it comes up again for us, it's like, oh, okay, there it is again. There's more healing to be done. Okay, where, where do I need to still unpack things? Yeah. So, so yeah, we just, we keep visiting it again. But yeah, we, we also try to empower one another with the tools that can shift us and, and move through it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so my next question is completely random, but I'm very curious. Um, do you know what you are on the Enneagram? Just one. Oh, absolutely. I am an Enneagram one wings two. Okay. So you're, um, hold on. I don't meet many ones. So, um, I think don't all teachers have a wing two <laughs> or if it must were like straight up to, I feel, well, you're you technically in terms of the Enneagram that we actually just did a training on the Enneagram. So I love the Enneagram, but I dug into it more for my community because they wanted to know about it more. So oh. the wings can only technically be directly next to it. So technically only a, a Enneagram one or three could have a two as a wing. Uh-huh. That said, there's other, like when, um, you know, you know how the Enneagram's kind of like, I've got all the little lines crossing or whatever wherever you are, and this is actually how I figured out I was a one, because I typically, on all the sort of free tests out there, I always kind of had a total tie for one, two, and three, and I was like, how do I figure out what the heck I am? And so I did a ton of reading, and one of the things that helped me figure it out is everybody has sort of across the circle, you have a place that you kind of dip into when you're having tough times, and you have a place that you kind of go to when you're really sort of into your higher self Right. So, so that is how I figured out I really was a one. And then you figure, you can figure out what your wing is. Uh, Brene Brown's actually one wing too, as well. When she spoke, she's spoken a couple of times on her podcast about it. And I'm like, like when she speaks, I also, I'm like, oh my gosh, Brene, you feel me. Like, I, you know, I, you, <laughs> um, yes. so yeah, but what are you? She's pulling up the Enneagram chart. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I've heard talking. No, that's me. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm a seven, straight up seven, all okay. the way. But seven's where I did. Seven's where I go in times of like strength and like when I'm really filled up. Seven's uh-huh. where I go. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, well, um, I, uh, I I remember I, I taught my students a little bit about the Enneagram last year, and I remember one of them was a one. So the reformer. That's that's what you are. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, the one wing two is an advocate. So, but yeah, it's like, I'm just trying to always create good in the world. I'm trying to like, like it's problems that like it is like, I'm trying to think about the possibilities. I'm trying to always think about like how, you know, for me, even within schools, all my, all my colleagues always are like, yeah, you're the systems lady. You're always trying to figure out like big picture, how to like just change everything for the good. Yeah. But the one wing two is like, I also have that like advocacy side of me. So I'm also just you know, twos are so much about caring for others. I'm also really trying to mm-hmm. take care of everyone in the process mm-hmm. of looking at that. Yeah. But the sevens, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, now that I know you're seven, I feel like all of your Instagram makes so much sense to me. Like yours, you have like just such like fun energy to you. And like, like even when I, whenever I watch your stuff, I just like get this big smile on my face <laughs> watching your stuff. And, and I always feel inspired, like to dip into my seven, that like fun 
you know so yeah so that makes a lot of sense yeah cool cool well I feel like the one is is so needed right now and um I I, I think I also have a little bit of eight and two in me as well as three I don't know and do you think you have any of the four in you when I'm looking at this chart like one is connected to four as well I don't know you don't really seem I like don't that. think yeah. I have a lot of it I think my daughter is actually a four really? uh, but I and two of my best friends have four in them so I do know a little bit about fours I definitely feel like in some ways because we all have a little bit of all of them in us okay. mm -hmm. I feel yeah. like in some ways as I learn more I almost cultivate some of the four in me. I've been working on that because it's like that connectedness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some of that spiritual, beautiful work and just like the fours, I feel like are so conscious and so aware and things like that. I feel like in some ways we can all cultivate a little bit of the four in us mm -hmm. for that. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, the Enneagram is just like, uh, yeah, it's so fun to me. I love that kind of stuff so much. Yeah. It's so endlessly fascinating. And, and I, I feel like I learned a lot about it just now from this conversation. So um, I, I didn't know that the wings were needing to be right next. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Anyway, side question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so thanks for, thanks for indulging that side question. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to ask was I was talking with Jocelyn Al Young yesterday, and I'm so glad that you all are connected now. Um, this whole concept of like self-trust and self-love. My question is, why do you think that self-trust and self-love are so necessary in a profession that is comprised of, at last check, 80% women? Like what, what is the connection between this need for self-love and self-trust when we're in a profession where it can be really a lot of masculine energy, like go, 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 hustle, 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 and coming, coming inward and saying, I'm enough, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, how, why is that so important? I think. Yeah. Um, and this is as somebody who's a perfectionist in recovery, who I think because of that energy, be it passed down to me, whatever it is, I can sit comfortably in that masculine energy and that like hustle and there's in some ways, like I, I'm also, I don't know if you know, like human design, I'm a, I'm a generator. So like, I have a lot of energy, so I can go, go, go. Mm -hmm. Or I used to think I could without compromising my health, but obviously my body realized some other things. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, as I, you know, education really was created from that place of masculine energy of, I mean, really it's, it was created from like a factory model, even like in terms of how, what we're supposed to produce is like kids, Mm -hmm. that was that was how education was created and even if we think about why there's generally in a, inadequate compensation in terms of even financially mm -hmm. it you know if you look at the history of it it really came from this like patriarchal system where it was like well they're just women they're caregivers they're just supposed to give 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 love nurture others and also you know the 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 lack of self-trust often comes from it's because there's this top down mm -hmm. voice that says you're supposed to do it this way. This is, and I'm very like, I'm a, like I said, I love research. I love data. I love all that stuff. And still we can integrate that with all of the wisdom within. And so often 
a female dominated field has been told like you're supposed to be a martyr your what you say doesn't matter even though i mean educators have so much expertise they're the ones in the classroom that's like why when i would consult with teachers i'm not going to come in and tell you what to do you're in the classroom the whole time i'm here for like a, a hot second i i have like some glimmer but ultimately like you you're the one with the experience and the expertise and that real time knowledge and wisdom and so often because of the way education has been created, you know, we've been taught to disregard the messages within those little voices that says, you know what, this doesn't feel right in how I'm supporting this kid or, or, or sometimes we, we're just not aware yet because we have also been conditioned in certain ways. Like, you know, um, we've been conditioned even to think that children are always supposed to look a certain way in classrooms they're supposed to kind of fit into that like patriarchal model where everyone is all buttoned up and i know for me when i was a teacher even so much of the stress for me came from the fact that when my kids weren't looking this sort of perfect way i thought i was doing something wrong like people were telling me oh well if you just do this they would be this mm -hmm. well no my kids had extensive trauma histories they had all these other things and i knew internally Mm -hmm. that there was more to it. I knew internally that there was like this need to just connect with them and do these other things. But I, I literally overrode that voice within because these sort of experts or top people were telling me and things. Mm -hmm. So I always, you know, am hoping to shift some of that narrative within schools. And, you know, yes, while I'm always working on changing systems, I believe that, you know, systems and the people within them, they work together. So yes, we also need to, it's, it's through the healing of the individuals that we also heal the systems because individuals are saying like, hold up, like, is this how we should do this with our students? Because mm -hmm. it's not even just it's their, their own well-being, but it's like within the students. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so there's like these pieces of the puzzle. And I think, you know, while there's self-trust, so much of self-love is also having the courage to, to explore the awareness mm -hmm. and having the courage to also, and come into trust and saying like, I don't have the answers. Even if it's like, yeah, it's true. My kids aren't learning to read at the rate that I want them to. There maybe is something mm -hmm. that is, there's a disconnect, but then that takes so much courage to mm -hmm. say like, maybe what I've been doing for 10 years isn't working or, you know, so it's like, it's coming into that connection and trust, but, but part of that is also trusting that you're whole, <laughs> that you're enough, even if you don't have the answers, mm. even if you have to say, I need help. Um, so I, I do so much. And you could say, you know, I even said like, it's the women's circles that changed a lot for me so much of what I learned in there was that feminine energy. It was like that collective community care model, vulnerability, all those other things. But again, that, I guess it comes back to vulnerability as part of the self-love and self-trust to be able to say, you know, it takes a lot of love for yourself, that unconditional love and regard for yourself to be like, yeah, I don't know. And I know what, you know, or, or what I do know is that I need something different or I need help. Um, so the self-trust is about like that trusting of our, our, that deep inner knowing that like those gut and all of us, you know, everyone out there listening, you can think of a time where you just had that gut feeling. Like you just knew, like, you don't necessarily know how, you know, you just know you either know you're uncomfortable or, you know, you're like a full body. Yes. Or whatever it is. 
like that's the knowing. And so I think part of the problem too is because schools are on the like hamster wheel of just go, 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 go. That's another thing I think that takes people away from the self-love and self-trust because the way you come into connection with yourself and that inner knowing is you have to take the time and the space and the silence to slow down and connect. And it's a practice, right? It gets better. And sometimes you do know in real time, but that's, it's coming back to that. Like, so it's coming back to like, you know what? I do need to set a boundary with that. That doesn't feel helpful. Or our school's doing this whole system, but like, we're all noticing that doesn't feel right. Why are we doing that? And it's not like we're not going to, you know, we're going to ignore the science. It's not like we're going to say like, we're just, we're just going to make some numbers ourselves, but that one's not really working with our kids, which, you know, Brene Brown talks about how, you know, intuition isn't just woo woo. It's, it's the lived experience, the knowledge, and also it's, it's like the facts and science we have accumulated. So it's our bodies kind of put it all together. And so I really do think our bodies have so much wisdom, but we've really like been conditioned to tune them out. I mean, think about as educators, we're told we're not even allowed to pee. And so we're like literally told to ignore the messages. Mm. And so, so, you know, I really like people to continue to come back to them. So it's, so sometimes it's like, I'll just start my calls. And it's like, let's just check in with yourself. Like, what do you need right now? Do you need to stretch? Do you need to? And one of my passions that has come up for me in my work, like in my own work with circles and healing is this is how we change what we give to the students too. Like, I think about this, not only with our students, but like with me as a mom, I try to get curious about what patterns am I passing down? And kids are so great about being mirrors for us all the time. Right. Um, you know, you're like, okay, then I see what's happening. I see myself tapping into that old pattern. And, and can we go into those mucky places and hold ourselves with unconditional love and, and like reparent ourselves or reteacher ourselves? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause so often really, there are, they're really like perfectionistic people pleasing standards in schools and it's just passed down. And so the more mindful of it, we can be, the more we, we are able to have then that unconditional love and regard for our students, for our own kids as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like a Petri dish of perfectionism and people pleasing and not, <laughs> totally. able, not able to pee. <laughs> so we have to listen to our bodies. Yes. I love that. And our yeah. intuition. And uh, so true. I just, I, this is, I was telling Jocelyn this and everybody on the podcast, every time I get to have one of these uh, interviews, I just love it. I always learn so much and it's just, it's such a treat. Like I, I love getting the chance to do this and learn from, from you today. It's been awesome. Um, and well, thank you for letting me speak about what I love. And I, I, I learned so much from you and I'm always just so inspired by you and yeah, oh my gosh. just so happy to be connected too. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for putting up with me. No, no. <laughs> well, I love everything about you. Oh, back at you. And, and I heard somebody say for some people, you'll be too much for others. You'll never be enough but for your people, you'll always be just right. And so I feel like when you find your people, you know, that, you know, it's going to be okay, even if you're not perfect. So yeah, my, uh, Danny Kenny, she says, you, you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So it really is about showing up in your fullness and yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, I'll one of my, also one of my mentors, Michelle Long. So she had always led the women's circle. She's 
that unconditional love is, and I now say it to my own kids, there's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. It mm. just is. It's just like having that, yeah. it's just right in that sweet spot. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm going to write that one down and put it on the refrigerator for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so if you want to know more about Katie's work, I'm going to put the links in the show notes, but be sure to go to her website, constantloveandlearning.com. That's C-O-N-S-T-A-N-T-L-O-V-E-A-N-D-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G, constantloveandlearning.com. She also has an Instagram handle at Constant Love and Learning, and her Facebook page is the same, Constant Love and Learning. So I am looking forward to continually learning more from you and loving learning from you. (laughs) And I know I'm already subscribed to your newsletter and I always enjoy uh, hearing what you have to say and lots of wisdom to share. And um, thank you again for being with us today, Katie. Any any parting words for the teachers out there? (laughs) Parting words, I would say, I want to, the first thing that's coming up for me is just, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm just directly talking and thank you for being you. You, it's not about what you've done, what you haven't done, but you showing up as you, it's just so invaluable for those in your world. And you deserve to take care of you because the world, the world is a better place because of your, your brilliance and your gifts. And I just want to say thank you because I'm just I, I love, love, love educators and just want to say thank you. And I, I believe you you deserve a, a year round thank you, not just a week coming right. up. So so thank you for being you. And you know, one of my mantras is self-love to spread love. So you deserve to honor this because that that's again how you how you make the impact you want to make. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Katie. That's a perfect way to end the episode. And um Thank you to all who joined us today on Facebook Live and on the episode and on YouTube and wherever else this is going to (laughs) go. And if nobody else tells you today, you rock. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Transformed Teacher Podcast. If you're ready to thrive with less stress and more joy, I've got a lot more resources for you over at my website, thetransformedteacher.com, where you can grab your free digital copy of my latest book, Freed to Teach, Seven Keys to Thrive in an Era of Uncertainty. It was a number one new release in education problem solving, and it's been called a must read for any educator. If you're ready to experience a better way to teach and live, then let the tools in this book help support you. You'll find out exactly how to go from overwhelmed to organized, from frazzled to focused, from burned out to balanced, from stressed to streamlined, from exhausted to energized, from purposeless to passionate, from chaotic to calm and confident. So when you infuse your life with the secrets you'll learn in this book, everything changes. You're a teacher for a reason. There's a different and better way. Now's your time to become free to teach. So head on over to the transformedteacher.com to get your free e-copy. If nobody else tells you today, you rock.